Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And sitting across from me, as he always does on these occasions, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. And we're coming to you live, even though a blizzard of epic proportions is going on directly outside the studio of HowStuffWorks.com. Or at least it's snowing. And in Atlanta, that's like the snowpocalypse. Snow nose. Yeah. So, um, uh, as, as the world breaks down outside and we see the angry mobs set fire to cars and raid all the grocery stores for all the milk and bread that they have. And we, eggs. And eggs and toilet paper. We will, uh, we will soldier on and bring you another fresh, hot, tasty episode of tech stuff. And in this case, the episode comes to us courtesy of a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Timas, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. It could also be Timas or some other pronunciation of which I'm unfamiliar. And it goes like this. Hi, I'm Timas from Taiwan. I'm in eighth grade. I just started listening to your podcast, and I already love it. I have a quick question for you. How do microwaves work? Please answer it if you have time, preferably in a podcast. Thanks. Keep up the awesome work. P.S. Please reply so I can make sure I have the right email address. Well, I did reply, so he knows he has the right email address. Uh, we are going to talk about microwave ovens. We're, we're assuming that's what he means by uh, microwaves, um, because microwaves themselves are a form of, uh, of electromagnetic radiation. Yes. They are a particular kind uh, that uh, their wavelengths can measure from anywhere from a few centimeters to about a foot long. Uh, that's huge for radio waves. Uh, visible light is actually in the nanometer scale, 400 to 700 nanometers. Or nanometers. I did it the way you like, <laughs> specifically so we wouldn't have to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I know. Well done, Paulette. Which is, which is why, uh, anyway. Yes, where, yeah. So, like, uh. Either, 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 either. Yeah, this is, uh, this is all thanks to a guy named Percy Spencer. Yes, back in 1945. Which, uh. Uh, it's kind of a funny story. I actually saw an episode of, uh, I can't even remember what it was. It's one of those, those history of mechanic shows, probably Quantum something. Leap. On, uh, no. Oh. But anyway, it was talking about, uh, different inventions and, uh, the way he discovered microwaves could cook was very, very interesting. I mean, he was already working with microwaves, but for radar purposes, because he, he was melted working, his candy bar. He did melt his candy bar. He was working uh, with a radar system, yes, which uses a device called a magnetron. Yes, he was working on it for the Raytheon Corporation. Yes, and which uh, still is involved with a lot of defense stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, during his his experiments, uh, I mean the the magnetrons had been in use for for several years up to that point. He just noticed that when he took it out of its uh, its casing and was working on it with uh, some other experiments, he noticed one day that the candy bar he had in his pocket had mysteriously melted. Yes. And he thought, hmm, I wonder if this has anything to do with this magnetron doohickey, except he probably thought of it in much more scientific terms. Yes. He then decided to try an experiment. He placed some kernels of unpopped popcorn next to it. He uh, revved that sucker up by pulling the little uh, chain, getting that diesel engine going. Um, <laughs> actually, that's not exactly how it worked. But he no. turned it on and watched as the unpopped popcorn became popped popcorn and said, 
aha. And then, of course, he did the next logical step. He put an egg next to it and watched it that, explode. That was. <laughs> it's true. It's totally no, true. No, I know it was. I know it's totally true. That's the funny thing. Is, it's just it's, amazing that he didn't immediately like put a grape next to it and then maybe an incandescent bulb. I mean, all the things that you see on YouTube of people putting stupid stuff in the microwave. It's amazing. And well, it's he was the we one that was discovering that it was stupid. To perhaps, do that. perhaps he was doing it and we just haven't don't have the record of it. And then and then he did a compact disc. Right. Oh, he wait. invented the compact disc just specifically. So he could. No, he did not invent the compact disc. No, no, no. But it is kind of funny because uh you figure if the the microwave the microwave emissions from the magnetron were cooking the candy bar and the popcorn and the egg, it probably wasn't doing him very much good. But uh, as uh, I used to joke about that, but he, as it turned out, he lived a very long life. So well, well, apparently, I mean, it didn't do him too much. You damage. would you would feel the effects pretty quickly because I mean, it it does heat up <laughs> tissue very. It's it's not like it just magically goes from from uncooked to cooked. But we'll get into that. We'll talk about the actual sequence that happens when microwaves encounter um, anything that happens to have some sort of moisture in it. Well, um, Percy Spencer, uh, his discovery led Raytheon to release the world's first microwave oven in Which 1947. Incredibly compact, right? Oh, yeah. It was, it was the just, size of like a refrigerator. It was or so. five and a half feet tall. Yeah. So, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the first microwave was just a little shorter than my wife. But that sucker was a lot more powerful than the ones that they have out now because that it was it was essentially an industrial microwave machine. It was you know very very early on and very very expensive. You uh, could cook an entire deer in just thirty five seconds. Wow. Um, anyway, they were they ran between two thousand and three thousand dollars. Yeah, and well, actually, uh, the the very first one cost about uh, five grand. They're very very the very first very one. first one. Yeah, five thousand dollars, which in nineteen forty seven was about the same price as you could get for Poland. You are just on a roll today. Anyway. It's snowing outside. It's a snow day. <laughs> right. Anyhow, um, so, you know, this was a little bit out of the price range of the average American household. Right. So uh, yes. Raytheon licensed the technology to uh, Tappan. Uh, and in 1955, uh, Tappan inter- introduced the first domestic microwave oven, which was still out of the price range of the average, uh, you know, household. Um, but, you know, at $1,300, considerably cheaper than those giant industrial models. Um, and then, uh, in 1965, uh, Raytheon acquired Amana. So there you go, the Amana radar range. The two names came together. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, in 1967, Raytheon did their first, uh, Domestic 100 volt microwave oven, which was under $500. And of course, now they're, you know, approximately $7.50 yeah, and can, available you can, you can, in all sizes. If you really wanted to, you could go out, buy one, ruin it by putting one of the things you're not supposed to put in it, and then watch, go out and buy another one, and you're really only out like 50 bucks. Yeah. So, uh, not that you should put anything, uh, weird in your microwave. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't. Don't do it. You could end up burning down the apartment. Besides, this, it, it, it's more fun to watch it on YouTube because then you let somebody else ruin their microwave and you get to keep yours. Right. And you also get to hear all the hilarious comments that go on in the background. So, like, oh, my God. And wow. And this is stupid. Yeah. And then you're thinking, and you videotaped it. And not only that, but then went to the next step of uploading it to the Internet to share it with everyone. So microwaves cook. Oh, yeah. Let's get back to what a, they do. Using a, they have a, a 2500 megahertz or 2.5 gigahertz 
uh, frequency. Yes, uh, these are radio waves, remember. So um, that's, elect- that's specifically the kind of electromagnetic radiation we're talking about in the radio wave spectrum. And uh, they, the, the thing, waves of this, this frequency can be absorbed by water. And fat and sugar and some other stuff. Yeah. And uh, when they do get absorbed by these materials, those materials begin to generate a lot of atomic motion, which we also can refer to as heat. So there you go. The material absorbs these pre- these uh, waves, which then makes the material heat up, and that can cook a uh, – um, well, whatever it is you put in there that happens to have water, fat, sugar, or whatever in it. Uh, but it also means that certain other kinds of materials do not absorb these microwaves, such as metal. Metal, yeah, metal actually reflects it, which is um, a which is why you don't stick a fork or some aluminum foil in your microwave oven. You it's know, bad. But you know what? Uh, here's here's the thing: is that if you do put metal in your microwave, like regular metal, not not like um a foil, but something that has got more substance to it, so like a pot or whatever, or a right. can. Okay, it's not necessarily going to spark. Um, it, uh, the sparking comes from things that if you were to have it too close to one of the walls of the microwave where the differential between the metal that's in the whatever it is that you put in there and the metal of the wall, mm-hmm. that could possibly create a plasma that would end up sparking. But in most cases, what's really going to happen is the metal is going to just reflect the microwaves off of uh, whatever it is you're trying to nuke and then you're not going to have a hot dish it's the the food itself is not going to get is not going to absorb enough microwaves to heat up properly because the metal has reflected it all and uh, you know just to to let you guys know i mean yeah you're not supposed to put metal in the microwave but it's because it, it inhibits the food from heating up rather than anything else it's just like a the 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 screen that's on your microwave door you know you look through a microwave and you see that little uh grid it's a a mesh Mm-hmm. It's that's made out of metal. Yes, it's there. It's there to reflect microwaves back into the oven so that they don't go shooting out and nuking everything in your house. Yes, actually, that's uh, the mesh is actually uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I I was interested in the mesh because I had heard some people talking about why it was mesh and why it was there. You know, it's very important to have that mesh on there. Um, but you may wonder why it has little holes in it. Well, actually, I, um, <laughs> um, funnily enough, I was at, uh, howeverythingworks.org, which, uh, being not really a competitor of ours, actually sort of, uh, you may know Lou Bloomfield, who, uh, used to be on the Discovery show, um, Some Assembly Required. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he wrote a piece, uh, he a- actually answers several questions about microwaves. And, um, one of those is why the holes are there in the mesh. Now, um, the holes, you need the metal reflective surface on the door to keep the microwaves inside the oven and from, you know, coming out of there and nuking your head should you be checking on the condition of your dinner. Um, well, you know, and somebody's going to bring up the fact that we're using the word nuke when it's not actually nuclear. Right. But, but it's it's colloquial. We're using nuke in the colloquial, in the colloquial sense, sense to microwave something. Yes. But you need that mesh there. For one, to do that, but you also have to see the condition of your food or whatever it is that you put in there, coffee, popcorn. Um, and uh, the holes are in there, and you would think, well, maybe those are going to let the microwaves out. Well, as uh, as Lou Bloomfield explains, 
the microwaves are actually at a have a larger wavelength than the holes in the mesh. Right. So uh, you can see through. in, but they can't come back out. Right. Which is really cool that it's and they're actually they can uh, the wavelengths being you know a few centimeters to even feet in size. That's um that's pretty cool. It's a lot like the prison I drive by all the time. You can see in, but they can't get out. Okay then. So anyway, moving on to talking more about how these microwaves heat up material and cook them. Mm-hmm. Because microwaves are absorbed by this whatever material you've put into the microwave itself. Well, um, not necessarily, because the foods that you put in there to be to have them absorbed. Right. Yes. Yes. That's what I mean specifically. I'm not talking about the plates or whatever. Because some of those don't. Yes. Okay. So the stuff you put in the microwave to actually heat up, I'm Mr. Paulette? I'm going to go hide now. The stuff you nuke in the microwave? Okay. Anything okay. that anything that has these materials that do absorb microwaves, they do so uniformly. Yes. Right? Well. Assuming that it's not too thick. Right. If, if the material is too thick, like if you were to put an entire chicken breast, for example, in there, and the chicken breast was a particularly meaty chicken breast – that might not be the best idea because you might not – the microwaves might not be able to penetrate deeply enough to really heat up the the chicken breast in a uniform way and then you could end up with uh, some raw chicken in the middle and that's not good. Yeah, raw chicken in the middle and, and depending on how long you cook it, it could be so you know crunchy on the outside that you couldn't even eat it. Yeah, it will be in it rubberized. Yeah. So a normal oven cooks through uh, – you know. The whole convection conduction thing. Yes, it's where you're conducting heat from one area to to another. So mm-hmm. you're cooking from the outside in. Heat is being applied to the outside of whatever the food is. That heat slowly moves inside, and then eventually you have a cooked meal. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually that means the outside is crispier or as as uh, more well done, if you prefer, than the middle is. Right. So it's had heat applied to it for a longer time and. Uh, and in a more direct way. Microwaves, of course, don't do this. The The material absorbs the microwaves, and microwaves are being bounced all around the, the oven so that it's hitting – ideally, it's hitting the food from pretty much every direction possible at that point. But, of course, it doesn't – each microwave is a little bit different, and they change as they age, uh, which is why they have that uh, carousel in the middle to spin the food to try to yeah, make the, sure that everything gets heated right, more the, evenly. A lo- people who use older microwaves often have to stop halfway through and rotate the food and then start it again because mm-hmm. just because the way the microwaves are are de- are the microwave ovens are designed, microwaves do tend to hit one side more frequently than another. I mean, it's because they they go through this little microwave trough and then they come into the oven itself. They're not completely randomized, so uh, if you aren't, if you don't have a carousel in your microwave, you may have to turn the food once or twice in order to have it heat evenly. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yes, I was going to say the uh, the microwaves are hitting the food, and they're heating it up, but the air inside the microwave oven is staying at relatively the same temperature because the air is not absorbing the microwaves. Right. Um, and this is another uh, something interesting I found by reading our article about microwave ovens on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, I always wondered about those little silvery sleeves that you get with certain kinds of food. Oh, you mean like hot pockets? Yes. 
Not that we're not we're not sponsored by them or anything. It's no, just but that's that a with, good example. Without them, I would have died in college. But yes, things that you want crispy on the outside, because things uh, when I was talking about uh, the chicken breast earlier, when I said crispy, it's not we're not talking like the crust on a slice of bread. We're talking rubbery and hard yeah. and black in some cases yeah. from uh, carbonization. Um, now, this if you want something like that, like something with a uh, uh, that has been fried to be sort of crispy on the outside, you're going to have to heat up the outside uh, more than you heat up the, the middle. And yes. to do that, they use this foil. That foil uh, is designed to uh, absorb those microwaves, and it heats up faster than the rest of the food, which heats up the outside of the food in addition to cooking the rest of it, right. too. So it's, it makes the outside crispy. It's kind of it's kind of simulating what would happen if you put it in a regular oven. Yes, because it's not an approximation. Right. I mean, it is an approximation. It's, it's not the real thing. Yeah, exactly. You, you can only kind of sort of fake it. Um, and uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what actually is going on here when you when you switch your microwave on. So what's going on here? You plug your microwave in. <laughs> now, first of all, uh, microwaves have uh, a switch that um, will only remain shut if you close the door. So right. the microwave will not operate while the door is open because it, the circuit is is not is not complete until you close the door. It's mm-hmm. very important. For the safety of everybody on the outside of the microwave. Yes. People inside the microwave, you're kind of screwed. So the door closes. That completes the circuit. No one wants that. No. (laughs) No. I mm. No. Uh, You close the door. You've completed the circuit. And then the electricity from your – from the power outlet comes in through the microwave. And uh, it goes through first a regular – you know, it, it, the, it goes through a low voltage um, uh, section of your microwave, which this is what powers everything from like uh, your timer, the circuitry, everything that uh, the, the fan that will turn as the microwave is going or the carousel that turns as the microwave is going. Um, all the low voltage stuff uh, takes that. That's what hits first. After that, it goes into uh, the high voltage transformer. And this boosts the voltage significantly because mm-hmm. it turns out the magnetron, um, not the leader of the Decepticons, as I w- discovered. Well, you were just talking about Transformers. This is true. Um, but yeah, I, that's what confused me. I was like, it goes into a high voltage transformer and it's called magnetron. Is it a Decepticon? No. Uh, <laughs> the high voltage transformer uh, then feeds energy into the magnetron, which is what converts the electricity into radio waves known as microwaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the microwaves are, there's a fan that's blowing and the reason the fan blows is to kind of break up the microwaves so that they go in, uh, it, it randomizes it a little bit so that you don't just have a stream of microwaves hitting a very specific spot on the in the oven because otherwise you would just have one really hot spot mm-hmm. and the rest of it wouldn't be very effective, which would mean you would have to place food in a very specific point in the oven, um, which kind of, you know, Defeats the purpose. Yes. So uh, it goes – the microwaves go through uh, essentially a trough, really. It's it's a, a guidance system. They come into the oven. They get randomized a bit. They bounce around until they are absorbed by something um, or they just fizzle out. And then, uh, then you get your hot, tasty popcorn, which I can't stand because it gives me migraines. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, stove-cooked popcorn is so much better. 
the microwave popcorn. It just is. Yeah. Oh, and uh, although I, it is a quick snack, I agree. I should say that the the trough I'm talking about it's a, it's a metal channel. It's actually called the waveguide. I, I, I the name just totally jumped out of my brain while I was talking about it. But as I looked down at my notes, I realized, hey, I actually did write that down. Waveguide. <laughs> waveguide. Um, and so, yeah. Hi, I'm Steve. I'll be your waveguide today. Yeah. Right. Uh, on your left, you will see the microwaves. Actually, yes. you won't because it's outside the range of visible light. Booyah. And, uh. <laughs> nice. If you want to know how magnetrons work, wow, this um, gets, this gets pretty complicated. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I didn't get into that in my research. So right. I would like to know that. So they are made up of an anode, a cathode, a filament, and a couple of magnets. And um, the idea here is that you're generating a flow of electrons that go from the cathode to the anode. Uh, you use the magnets to alter the path of the electrons so mm. that they spin. In a, instead of going in a straight line, they go in a curve, and this curve gets tight and they start spinning. This is what generates the radio frequencies, the uh, the microwaves. And um, it's you know I've I've read this description three or four times, and then I realize you know what we need to do. What's that? Send an email to stuff from the science lab and have them explain how magnetrons work. Because <laughs> I think it's more science than tech at this point. Yeah, probably so. Um, it's actually pretty cool. There's some great illustrations on the web uh, in various places that show you what the anode and the cathode look like. Um, the anode actually has chambers in it. Uh, and it, I, I read the technical description, like I said, three or four times. And I'm still not entirely certain exactly what the mechanics are or you know, the physics are behind this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, uh, you pump the high voltage through and, uh, you generate that electron flow. The magnets alter the, the path of the electrons. That's what creates the radio frequencies, which will eventually cook whatever it is, you know, your ramen noodles or whatever that you've thrown in there. I've thrown out a lot of, um, brand names. Yeah. You know, today. And, I didn't uh, mean to do that. And a lot of college food. Well, again, I'm thinking, like, I don't, I don't use microwave ovens as often as I used to. If I do use a microwave oven, it's to heat up something that I cooked uh, in a more conventional method. Yeah. Um, mostly because the the foods that tend to come designed specifically for microwaves also don't tend to be very healthy. And I'm trying to eat healthier now. Well, then. Because I want to last a nice long time to to haunt your every waking moment. You know, I've, I've seen um, green-friendly websites talk about using microwave ovens because they use less energy. They are very efficient. Um, than conventional ovens. So, you know, there is an advantage in that regard. That is true. Um, however, I can't stand what they do to bread. Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, I can eat this for the next two seconds. So oh, I guess we can long. talk very quickly about some of the stuff that you shouldn't put in a microwave. Um, and honestly, people don't put yeah. this stuff in a microwave. Um, if, if it doesn't hurt you, it will probably hurt your microwave. Yeah. If nothing else, you may end up damaging your your microwave which is not going to win you any points in any household but damaging yourself is certainly not good either so please don't so for instance have you seen any videos of someone who's cut a grape almost all the way in half and then microwaved it um you know no but i actually read a uh, one of those questions by mr bloomfield um actually probably dr bloomfield um was talking about blueberries because mm-hmm. they were wondering why their blueberries were catching on fire Ah. And he was saying, well, actually, the blueberries are not technically catching on fire, but this so, happens a lot with grapes. I'm thinking, I'm thinking what, I think I know what's happening here. Okay. Uh, so 
you cut a grape almost in half until it's just being held together by the skin on one side. So mm-hmm. you cut them long ways, put them on, say, like an upturned coffee mug. And you put set the microwave for, you know, 15 seconds or something. And then uh, you'll start to see the grape spark. And uh, sometimes you'll see some pretty impressive sparks fly up out of the, the grape. Sometimes it might even catch on fire. And you're thinking, what the heck is happening here? Why are grapes doing this? Mm-hmm. The theory here is that the microwaves hit the grape, which then heat up very – the grape heats up very quickly. There's a lot of moisture in that grape, which mm-hmm. ends up gasifying. It turns into a gas. Plasma. So exactly. Actually. Well, that's the thing is that first it's a gas, but the microwaves excite the gas, turning it into a plasma. Mm-hmm. So a plasma is an ionized gas. It's a gas in which free electrons are roaming around and it – is uh it's it's one of the it is the most common form of matter in the universe. Yes. The sun is plasma. It so really you're is. you're technically turning a bit of that grape into plasma. It's it's the uh evaporation from the grape ends up being excited by the microwaves that becomes an ionized gas and that's what you see when it sparks. Um and a lot of other materials will do similar things when you put them into a microwave it'll give off this um, this gas that can get excited by the uh, microwaves. So yeah, don't do grapes. Um, nope. Don't put don't put eggs, just like an egg in its shell. Don't do that. Don't put that in the microwave. It will explode. Yes. The um the internal part of the egg will heat up to the point where the steam generated will be too great for the egg to maintain structural integrity, and then you'll have a massive mess. Uh, bar of soap, ivory soap. Put, uh, there's another brand name for you. Put a uh, bar of uh, soap in there and it ends up turning into a big foamy mess. But fortunately, it's easy to clean because it's soap. Um, actually, might end up cleaning your entire microwave in the process. But I still don't recommend you do it because you could end up burning yourself very badly. Yes. Um, let's see. What other things? Light bulbs. Do not put any kind of light bulb into a microwave. Yes, the microwaves can heat it up and make it light up in your microwave, and it looks neat. But they will explode, which, first of all, that's incredibly dangerous. You're talking about shards of glass flying around. Yes. Uh, second of all, if you're using a fluorescent light bulb, you've got some really nasty chemicals in there like mercury that can be uh, – that are very toxic, and you don't mm-hmm. want to release that into your environment. Peppers. You don't want to nuke peppers if you can help it. You know Why? Why? Not because they give off plasma, but because they will possibly release some steam that has capsaicin in it. And then you've just tear gassed yourself. Nice. Ask me how I know this. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, our producer of the day, Matt, is also uh, nodding and owning up apparently uh, to uh... – Mr. Frederick and I apparently <laughs> both enjoy these spicy foods and we can tell you uh, – by the way, uh, nuking dried peppers – Particularly bad. We're <laughs> <laughs> nodding. As I discovered. Uh, yeah, you don't want to do that if you don't, if you value things like your eyesight and, um, and the love of those around you because <laughs> nothing, there's nothing quite like spraying pepper spray across an entire living area to really, um, yeah. put a strain on relationships. I see. You know, uh, one other thing you don't want to do is overheat. Stuff. Right. Like oh, you can, oh, like, like a, like a cup like, of water. Yeah. Superheating. Yes. Uh, liquid. And, and people think this is some kind of a, a myth. How, how could water explode on you? Well, the thing is, 
if you make a liquid too hot past the point at which it's going to boil. And if the container it's in is so smooth that there are no nucleic sites there for the water to actually boil. Yeah, I mean, something generally a liquid that boils needs something to boil on, uh, yeah. like a pebble or something to introduce some some kind of irregular surface for it right. to start boiling on. If you, uh, you know, nuke a cup of coffee and then decide to put sugar in it, Yes. You may suddenly have boiling coffee. What you've just done is you have introduced a nucleic site into a superheated liquid, and then it's going to boil spontaneously, which looks a lot like an explosion um, and can severely burn you. It can yes. happen. Now, most of the time for this to happen, like I said, you need to have ha- used some sort of very smooth vessel to hold yeah. the liquid because otherwise it's going to find nucleic sites, find not like find in a – intelligent way. It's just it's going to latch onto any nucleic site and boil within the um, within the microwave itself. Yeah. But if, it, if, if it's like a very smooth ceramic mug and then you put some like non-dairy creamer in it or some yeah. sugar or something, it'll it'll use that as a nucleic site and just boil immediately. Or And sometimes just moving the cup will do it. Yeah. Because then, you know, the, the liquid is now moving and it's, yeah, it may it's, encounter something that it can be used to boil. It's incredibly dangerous. So yeah, yeah you do need to be, be careful. careful with that. A lot of microwaves now come with settings that are preset for certain things, including things like reheating a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is stuff that uh, the manufacturer has determined to be within the safe zone. Yeah. So even then, you should still be careful. But um, yeah, good point. Glad you brought that up. Thank you. Well, do you have anything else to say about that? No, I, I find myself excited by microwaves too. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Oh, well, you know, it ended up being an interesting uh, subject. I'm actually – I originally had uh, uh, one way to wrap this up, but I'm going to change it up. I'm, Uh-oh. So just letting, just warning you, Paulette. Uh-oh. Our listeners have no clue what I'm talking about. But we're going to end with a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Matt from Marietta, Georgia, so right up the street. Hey, hey, Matt, I hope you got enough bread and milk and toilet paper because I don't know if you know this, but it's snowing outside. Matt says, Chris and Jonathan, thank you very much for the informative podcast. I'm a new listener and have been trying to catch up on your previous episodes. I enjoyed your November 11th, 2009 podcast and was hoping to get a little more exposure to some of the topics discussed. First, could you explain a little about plasma generators? While not cold fusion, your Back to the Future reference made me think of trash-consuming technology. Also, as of yet, time travel is not possible. And I'm going to cut the rest of Matt's email because we're probably going to use these for future uh, episodes. Time travel is also probably something from stuff in the science lab. Probably. But he wanted to know about Darn plasma it. generators and uh, and trash. I actually wrote an article about um, plasma waste converters a long time ago. It's one of my first articles while I was writing here uh, and how stuff works. So um, in general, what you have is a plasma torch which uh, is, again, an ionized gas. You have a gas that's being uh, that goes between two very powerful electrodes, which generates an electrical current. It ionizes the gas, and it generates an incredibly hot torch, a torch that's so hot that it can actually be hotter than the surface of the sun. Mm-hmm. You apply this torch to garbage, and it either gasifies the garbage, if it's all carbon-based, or it turns it into, it, uh, um, it turns it into slag. So you get two byproducts out of this. You get a gas and you get uh, – uh, first, it's a liquid slag, but if you cool it, it becomes solid. Um, it's pretty fascinating stuff. I would recommend reading the article. It goes into a lot more detail. But you can learn all about how perhaps using plasma torches, we could even create fuel from our garbage. And uh, 
eventually have something like a Mr. Fusion. Although, again, it's plasma, plasmafication, not, uh, not cold fusion. Right. So thanks a lot. If any of you have any questions or suggestions, write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. We have articles about microwaves and other nifty gadgets on the site, so check that out. And Chris and I will talk to you again, possibly when it's snowing, really soon. Plasma. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?